I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to this week's Lost the Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Marvellous. That's it. That's what we like to hear. Uh, two uh, lacking events in terms of field quality this week, but uh, one, especially on European soil, we've had a good bit of fun breaking down between the two of us, haven't we? Yes, we'll just ignore what happened over the weekend then, shall we? <laughs> well, we can talk about that, but I just wanted to introduce the week's work first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love this. Um, there is a little bit uh, of my heart that goes into this because the Kenya Open used to be the opening tournament I've done the challenge tour for about six or seven years. Did you use to cover um, the challenge tour? It, well, I don't know if I've mentioned it before. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I did used to cover the challenge tour and got uh, two um, older merit winners, by the way, just to let you know. The only person. And, and was the third that let you down because he just fucked off to the European tour? Yeah, and he's also playing this week. Yeah. <laughs> and his mother's Kenyan, just for anybody else to work that bit out. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I've mentioned that. Um, so yeah, it's got a place in my heart really, and and um, we've talked about it earlier, and I think we've been texting most of the day, and it's actually quite exciting. Um, so despite the fact there are no massive names there, this is a this is a great tournament, and and it's it's a it's a tight top course, and the greens are a bit wafty, um, and they're very enthusiastic over there about golf, and and this looks brilliant. This this we've been talking about it, and I'm. I think we're getting more into it by the minute, but it's time to record and we can't look at it anymore. I think it's one of those it's one of those events where, despite the fact that it hasn't got the star quality of it, there's still plenty of respectable players in it. There's still plenty of people that we're interested in, and at the end of the day, there's a lot. It's a lot more open, which makes a, a lot more enticing uh, picks, if you like. But oh. let's just recount, obviously, the past weekend at Qatar. Um, had a lot of chances back and forth over the week, really. Uh, Jeff Windsor was a 36-hole leader. Yeah, he was actually on the score yep. that would have won if he'd uh, had just stayed there. But, you know, that's not the way. You can't do that, can you? So, um, Kitty Armour went backwards and forwards. Our friend Campio kept threatening, kept coming backwards. Um, Guido, obviously, that you put up. Very, very unfortunate not to get in the playoff in the end, wasn't he? I see. It was both tournaments were, bomb. yeah, but both tournaments were just were just amazing, really. I thought um, t- typical European tour, as, as Steve uh, Steve Rawlings put up, it's absolutely typical. But you know, I put it up in the fifty-four hole column that you just couldn't trust who was up, who was in the uh, front. Um, unfortunate that the wind had died down by about ten miles an hour. Otherwise, it would have been complete carnage and it would have been great fun to watch but when you looked at um you know Ficard senior uh, Buller I mean I know they've won in the past but they really didn't look the most um appetizing of um of leaders um and and you felt as though somebody was going to do it um I for my my money I thought you saw JB Hansen who we'll talk about in a bit and Brandon Stone looked looked the more, most solid but you know Stone couldn't hold a putt Guido was awesome. I mean, he could not have expected that that would have been good enough, as no. you rightly say. You know, if he can hit six under, and he's an extremely talented player, but if he can six, hit six under, you would have thought that one of the top six or seven were going to hit 
two, three, four under. Um, but they didn't. Um, and, you know, yeah, yeah, Guido was brilliant. Um, that final part on 18 was very much like... Um, it, it, it all reminded me of Stone against Valamaki back in Amman, in that they, they were, you know, they were just... Some of these putts were amazing. Um, and then you had Antoine Rosner, who was as brilliant as he was when he won in Dubai. You know, he came, he picked their pockets, and when he hit the front, apart from one three-putt um, halfway through his round, which um, I, I can only put it down to lack of concentration, because after that, he was absolutely brilliant. And and he came to the last, and he did do a Sammy Vanamaki, really. Um, 60 foot, oh, you texted me, but we were watching it, and halfway down, you knew it was in. Yeah. It was brilliant. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Um seems to have unlike a lot of his compatriots seems to have a lot of balls in front um yeah you know the, the, there was some eye catches there and and rosner's going places isn't he without question um and as his as his guido um continuing his fine run so fair play you know you've got to get it done and and they both can so brilliant it's weird as well with Rosner, as you look at him, he's, he's 29 years of age, isn't he? He feels like a bit of a late bloomer. He only turned professional in 2016, so he's only been pro for five years. Um, he's won four times since the start of 2019 now, across the Challenging European Tour. Two decent wins in the European Tour as well. It's not like they're Mickey Mouse Fields. His third at uh, Valderrama, which obviously mm. catches your eye. Yep. Um, 10th in the Italian Open. You know, he's, he's, had, he's had another second, didn't he, Mauritius? Uh, back in 2019 as well. We should have got. In fact, when you look at it, when you look at it, we should have been on your really. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was one of those ones that kind of the price. You, it, the way I looked at him is like, and I think we round we sort of summed it up with all of those in front. It's like they're all fair enough, but you, you kind of had to be really confident in any one of them to do it. And for some reason or another, I wasn't in Rosner. I don't know why really. When I look back, because. There's nothing to suggest he shouldn't have. Uh, he's played brilliantly throughout the desert swing, hasn't he? 16th, 9th, 26th in those quality of fields. Very interesting that, that I, I'm always putting him next to um, Adria Naus. Um, and Naus always seems to be same price or shorter. Mm. But, but Rosner is proving, you know, there's, there's very little weakness. When he gets it going, he's an absolutely fantastic player. Um and you'd really, you know, he's doing it everywhere. He's doing it where length counts. He's doing it where, where you have to be a bit cute. He's just very good at finding greens and, and a very, very good putter. So, uh, yeah. I good job he's, he's pulled out this week then. Give everyone else a chance. Yeah, he's, he's well, yeah, he's a cracking player. And, he, you know, it's, he's, let, well, let's hope he carries on. We've said it a thousand, a thousand times, haven't we? And, and they go missing, but he looks proper, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And and the trouble is, like we say, we, we, so often it's easy to sort of deal in absolutes, isn't it? And he's going to go on and do this and he's going to contend in this and you just never know. It, you know it could, he could end up being a six-time European Tour winner and never really make any impact anywhere else. Someone like Yves Lauten or something like that, you know. It's a steady career and, and very promising. Raphael Jacqueline is his compatriot, for example, you know. De Buisson, yeah. you know, turned up on a great stage, Ryder Cup player, but obviously different circumstances have, have led to a bit of a downfall. But, you know, it's it's really exciting. But we'll go into this week. Kurt Kitayama, who I put up at 40-1 to 1 last week, finished tied 10th, is now 18-1 uh, to 1 favourite due to the withdrawals. Kale Samoya, 22-1. to 1. Guido Migliozzi, who is a defending champion from two years ago, 25-1 to 1 with Matthias Schwab. 
Uh, George Coates here, 28 to 1. Aaron Rye and Chris Paisley and Jamie Donaldson, all 30 to 1. Best price. Um, Guido is the one that stands out of the, of the pack, I'd have thought. Uh, Guido and Aaron Rye for me. Um, yeah. If I was going to play up there, yeah. Guido was 33 to 1 earlier, which it just couldn't be. Um, I, I don't see how we could be bigger than someone like Schwab who continually lets you down on the greens. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got that, then then that's a, a, a cracking play, isn't it? Um, I mean, look, Qatar form and Kenya form um, look absolutely spot on. I mean, Migliozzi obviously um, played well over the weekend. Um, you've got uh, Gangajit Bula, uh, was fifth, I think, last year in Kenya. He played well at the weekend. Kali Samoa, he played well until he just faded away late. Nicholas Lemke, again, was top 15, I think, last year at Kenya. Um, and again, he was top 15. Qatar came late there, didn't he? He's going to win at some point. Um, and key to them all is um, some fantastic tee to green play, and they're going to really need it here. It's tree-lined. It's not easy. The greens are can be a nightmare if you're not used to them. Um, so you're really going to have to have to have your, you know, your, your your tidy game right on the ball, and, and the form looks as though it carries over, absolutely. So, um, yeah, Guido, uh, what more do you want? He's won there. He, he could have won at Qatar, and he's got very little to, um, very hard to oppose him, um, other than the fact that he's defending champion, and and they're very excitable over there about their golf, and it, you know, we'll see what happens. But thirty-three to one was too big. Twenty-five to one is. What else do you expect him to be, to be honest? No, exactly. Um, and as, sorry, as for Aaron Rye, always been a favourite of mine. Um, absolute demon. Uh, iron player. Brilliant on the greens. Um, didn't do a lot in 2016 here, but I won't worry about that. Diff- absolutely completely different class now. Uh, one on the other course um, in Kenya 2017 when they changed it. Um, very, very early on in the year. His mother's Kenyan. Um Again, like his short game won it for him. We'll see what happens. He's had a blowout of Qatar after being, at, you know, top 20 at the workday. is obviously different class. Um, and this will suit him far more. So, yeah, they're, 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 I can't put them up at the prices, but, for me, you know, Guido and Adam Ryan, absolutely solid around here. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I noticed earlier, which obviously I messaged you about, and I don't really see why the correlation's there in terms of. Uh, course fit, you know, as we mentioned it's a, it's a tight course, it's sort of something between an Italian and a Spanish open space, not quite as tight as a Valderrama, is it? But that sort of player would be handy round here, but um, the Porsche European Open from 2017-2019 uh, Green Eagle Golf Course and the Portugal Masters just show up everywhere um, around this event and uh, it, you know, going back to when it was a challenge tour event, those guys that kind of you know, one back in the day, I've got great form everywhere. You look at Guido last year, he's got a, a tied 7th at the Porsche European Open, tied 9th for Portugal. Louis Diego tied 12th at Porsche European Open. Um, Ritthammer, Bernd Ritthammer, who we'll come on to a bit later, but he plays incredibly well at this event, tied 2nd in Porsche European Open, and T9 in Portugal as well. Lorenzo Gagli uh, has played well in uh, Portugal. Farbring, Jens Farbring has got a T5 yeah. in the Porsche Open, T12 in Portugal, and had a couple of second place finishes in this event, even when it was at a different course as well. 
And Nicholas Lemke, who you just spoke about, T6 in Portugal, T9 at the Porsche European Open. Jackson Bra, Veerman, both tied 8th in Portugal. Liam Johnston, 8th here in 2019. And then T14 in Portugal, T22 Porsche. I'm not going to keep going on. Sadie 4th and 6th in both. Yep. Uh, McIntyre played really well here on the final day last time, second in the Porsche European Open. So there's, there's plenty there, and it goes on further than that. I've got about 17 post-it notes um, <laughs> of all the different people that have done it, and you know I'll just be labouring on a point. But basically, that, those are the kind of courses that really flagged up to me. And, and the person that you mentioned in, in what you were talking about there was Nicholas Limke. Um, he's been showing up for quite a while now, hasn't he? It's not, it's not like he's just plays well at this event he's played pretty well for the last well god knows how long really um and yeah i just i just really like his chances i just think that he's got that form in the courses that i want him to play well in um and he's just he just seems to be i don't know what it is he just seems to be hitting the form at the best time i mean he's got four uh, top 11 finishes in his last four events i know they've gone sort of before and after christmas but he was tied ninth last week in Qatar, T8 in Golf in Dubai Championship, T11 in Joburg, which I think South African has a bit of a link here. Yeah, Top 10 at the showdown. Tied 6th for that Portugal Masters last year. Um, he just does everything for me that I, that I wanted him to do. I know he's only 33-1 to 1 and he's a non-winner and he's not young. Um, but you can't have it. You, you, know, you can't have a massive price on someone that's playing that kind of form in you know a pretty weak field i mean the last three times he's picked it up he's been 33rd 34th and 18th in approach so he's hitting his irons well and yeah i just really like his chance this week so he's my uh, first pick of the week yeah i think he's got a, a, a tremendous i mean he is a little bit short for me but um yeah i absolutely see it i mean you mentioned you know your events and i perfectly agree yeah um and I think you mentioned South Africa, and South Africa has a has a obviously has a massive chance here. Yeah. And we've already said how much Kenya links into Qatar. You know, I covered over the weekend um, that Darren Fickart said that Qatar was like home for home for some South Africans um, because they had such a, a huge support there, um, and that and that plays out perfectly. But we we look back here. You've got, you know, Bez and Fritelli uh, when this was on the Challenge Tour were both placed. Hayden Porteous beat Brandon Stone. Um, obviously, Porteous has won. Joe Bergstone's been fourth twice, I think, over there with chances of winning. Um, and over here last year, you've got, you know, uh, Justin Hardin, Louis de Jager, um, Bears again, um, all appearing. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there look to be a number of a number of tie-ins with that type of thing. And, and Lemke's got that tidy length at Joe Berg and has followed it up with two top tens in, in much better class. So, you know, absolutely. Uh, like I say, bit short for me uh, especially given that migliozzi opened up the same price yeah um but uh you know i love this tournament i, I think you can make a case for a strong case for a lot of players and i think all the way through the market from 30 25 to 1 as we'll soon find out down to well into three figures well, I, think I just i kind of wanted one from the sort of top area and there's another one I'll come on to in a minute in, in a similar sort of price. Um, but generally speaking, it's, it's long shot city for me today. You know, it's kind of, I think this is somewhere you're going to crown, you know, a new champion on the European Tour. Guido did it, obviously, for the first time at a big price. And I think it's that sort of event where the big the big guys are out. Um, you know, it's come up in a good time for these 
uh, people that have been playing a bit of Sunshine Tour, um, you know, people that just come over from Qatar, it fits in for the schedule like that really well. And and I think, like you say, the, the form translates. I think those are guys that played last week and are tested um, are going to play really well. Not so sure about people coming in so cold, um, but we'll mm. see how it plays out, won't we? But give us your, your first pick off the board. Uh, first pick is JB Hansen, who I must be honest, I thought would be quite a bit shorter I, I i am surprised that that he's the price that he is and and it's based on a little bit of logic i think <laughs> uh jb obviously um he was 11th i think tee to green last week um there's a couple of reasons for for, for jb i um, i think he was first in greens in reg at qatar last week we know that jb sometimes suffers with his uh with his putting um but when he does have it on you know like he did at joburg which was a place that I would never have picked for him to to gain his bigger success, if you like. Um, when he won there, um, he was seventh in greens in reg, seventeenth in scrambling, and had a pattern average in fifth, which is stunning for JB. Um, he was first in greens in reg, eleventh in scrambling. Yes, his pattern let him down, but you know you know that's what you're getting with him. Um, he was nineteenth at Kyron in 2015, when he's a completely different player. Um, and there is a key here as well. Um, I was sent by um, uh, a nice little text from a very, very well-known golf pundit that when Jack Singbra um, led after a first round 64 last year at Kenya, he mentioned that it reminded him very much of uh, Plinalf, if that's not how you say it, obviously, that runs the um, Brittany Open, whatever you want to call it, Cordon Open, Brittany Open, whatever you want to call it. And there is... Um, a lot of similarity with the same, the, the right type of player. And um, there's a few we'll come on to. Uh, but JB obviously was seventh over there in 2017, um, which is very nice. If, if, if Brass says that the Greens remind him of that, then Hanson's clearly comfortable there. The fact that he did it at Joburg and the fact that he's back to form. Um, and he's a, he's a proven winner. You know, he's, he's won plenty of times on the Challenge Tour. He did struggle for a number of years. I know that because I may have mentioned once or twice. They let me down by shanking on the 17th challenge <laughs> final. Um, that's got to be years ago now. I'm still remembering it badly. Um, and I just thought 50 to 1, given what he did last week, he was tied ninth, even though he was pretty crap um, on the final day. Um, it was a bit going forwards that you know, he took one step forward, two steps back. But the fact that he managed to finish top 10, um, sort of getting lost on the final day, I think he'll come on from it. And if there is a link between Joburg um, and Pinal, he's he's got the he's got the form there. So I'm I'm very happy to think he's going to give himself loads of chances. He won't need to take driver out very much this week. We know he's a big hitter, but he shouldn't need to take it out that much this week. His irons will suit. Yeah, fifty one is is very very fair. Yeah, he's in terms of quality in this field, he's up there, isn't he? Um... I'm hoping he plays Tom because there is a couple of gaps on Hodgechecker. Yeah, we're um, just hoping that they're either undecided about his prices or uh, and not that he's undecided whether he's playing or not. Push him out in a minute. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be 70 to 1 when we finished it. But uh, no, look, I, I was really, like you say, I was really impressed with him and Joe Berg. It was one of those things where you're all kind of just waiting for him to kind of pack it in after a, a really good run on about nine where he looked so solid and you, you expect him to do your famous throw it away on the last hole and he had the likes of nine neighbour behind him. Um, you know, Brandon Stone wasn't a million miles away. That you know, there was guys there that could have pushed him, 
and then he just kept control of it. You know, it's very hard to follow up a Saturday 64, though. Mm. And, uh, you know, we just saw one of the best in the world do it at the players last week. But it's, you know, that's not an easy, easy sledding to do, is it? So I was really impressed with that. And uh, he can bring that on here. The one I was going to mention in this sort of price range was Garrett Higo. Um, and being such a, a fan of his, I kind of thought it would be someone that you mentioned. And, and the fact you haven't concerns me just a little slightly. <laughs> but uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't. If I was him, I wouldn't be concerned. <laughs> But it, it, to me, it's just the fact that... So when he played the Karen Masters in 2019, he was fifth. And that was after he just won twice. So it would be hard for him to go you know, go back to back to back, uh, especially at such a young age. Uh, he's obviously won twice since then. Um, and, and for me, it's just a case of, you know, he's played well in Portugal. Not necessarily at the, uh, the Portugal Masters. Um, but he won that Open to Portugal event, didn't he, last year? which was kind of between the, the Challenge Tour and the European Tour. And and just the way he's hitting the ball kind of suggests to me that he's in, you know, decent nick and, and could go well here. You know, he played well enough last week. And it's it depends on what talent level it is, how good he is right now, as opposed to how good he's going to be. But he was 18th last week in strokes gained a poach. Um, and I just think that's enough. And... I was actually surprised to see him at this sort of price. I thought, and there's a couple, Danny Van Tonder as well, who plays very, very well at this golf course um, and played well last week, obviously missed out the playoff. I thought those guys were going to be sort of like unbackable prices and they're, they're actually surprisingly not. So there'd be two to keep an eye on. But I kind of went past them. And, and earlier on, I'm pretty sure that you, you mentioned him earlier, Gaganjeet Bular. Mm. Um, I'm sure there was some 100 to 1 about him this morning. And the thing I liked about him, Jason, as I said to you before we come on, was that he was one of the few that didn't go backwards over the weekend. He actually did his best golf, you know, over the weekend. Pair of 68s, um, unfamiliar territory for him, winning at this sort of level. And and he wasn't afraid to, to give it a go. You know, he had Darren Fickart, who we know is very experienced, but struggles at the best of times. Um, he had the likes of Guido and Rosner making charges, and he was just sitting there playing his game. Uh, I think it was it was it fifth here in 2019 he was, yeah. um, so I thought that was when I saw him at what I thought was maybe a hundred one I can't remember now exactly what he was but that sort of price was silly, so if he goes out to something similar to that on the on the exchange I think there's still some eighty about in one place, um, but at sixty six to one he's now into the price that I'd kind of expect he opened up at hundred and ten to one on bet three six five this morning so that was the kind of thing that caught my eye. Um, but but for me and you, I think it's very much in the, in the triple digits now, isn't it? Um, apart, are we triple digits? Yeah, I think we are, aren't we? Um, yeah, we're going to mention Louis Diego, didn't we? Yeah, we are. We, yeah, Diego, I think uh, class wise, just because he 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 strikes the ball beautifully. Um, yeah. I can't remember why we said no, but uh, <laughs> but we did. Um, <laughs> just just a thing about the. Um, the uh, link between uh, Plinow and um, Kenya yeah. is, I think we said Josh Geary, didn't we? We did. Josh Geary doesn't do a lot, very a lot. Um, <laughs> Anywhere. <laughs> but he was obviously, uh, we'll talk about this a bit more in a minute, but he was second uh, behind Sebastian Hyseli at, um, at Brittany. Um, and he was also top 10 over here. So, um, th- th- you know, these four courses or four or five courses that we've mentioned, I think there is just a, a, a massive link between it. And, and when you take 
as we always do. You know, we can always tell where, you know, Sergio is going to play well or, or you know, um, any of the, the top names. But it's when you see those, and we'll do it at the Honda in a minute, I think, um, when you see those players that just turn up at the same tournaments and don't do a lot else for the rest of the year, um, they're worth looking at. And, and Geary is another is another link between the two. Um, so, yeah, it may well be worth just, just looking at all that. But, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no but that's the thing. is that the, the thought process there is that you look at the guys that you don't expect to be up there. I mean, we, we wouldn't have expected Guido Migliozzi to perhaps be up there last time, but Arnaus, Harding, Langask, Sweden, people like that weren't a big surprise. So it's easier to look at the guys that, you know, why were they there? You know, see if you can find any sort of clues um, from the likes of Josh Geary. Why was Liam Johnston there? What, where does mm. Buller come from? It's easier to go and work your way backwards from that uh, than it is to, to try and get all, you know, J- Jose Felipe Lima plays exceptionally well at this golf course um, and not very many other places. So it starts to whistle down yeah. where it is that you look for. Um, and that was that was a process for me. My next pick, uh, and I'll be completely honest, I've never actually seen him play golf. Um and I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his name. I'm going to do you in a minute. Um, but it's Andre Lisa. Uh, he's from the Czech Republic. The last two events he's won on the Challenge Tour. Um, and one of them was obviously the, the Challenge Tour final. He hasn't been able to play since, I'm assuming, because uh, I think the cards didn't get reshuffled yet, whatever it is that, that needed to happen. But, you know, he's a guy, he's not even young either, but he'd gone fourth at the Italian Challenge Open, first at the Challenge de Espana, first at the Grand Tour Final. That's his last three events. And the thing that really gave me a bit of hope was there was those two events as we came out of lockdown, wasn't there? The, Euro, uh, the Austrian Open, the Euro Bank Open, that had a kind of mix of these these sort of guys that are in this field. And he was 44th in the Austrian Open, which was respectable enough for he had a bad third round. But he was actually 13th in that Euro Bank Open. And for me, that just kind of caught my eye because it's one thing, you know, winning at the challenge tour level. But if you've had no signs of them doing it in sort of bigger company, that that's kind of off-putting. But he opened up with a 65 in that Euron Bank Open, which I think put him either in second. Yeah, I think he was second behind Oliver Lindell uh, that first yeah, round. Mighty Oliver Lindell. <laughs> and he, uh, he had a second round 73. I think you must have realised he was kind of, had a chance of in the lead, but he, he bounced back really well at the weekend, kept that 13th place finish. And we spoke, didn't we, about these guys kind of making, translating the form from the Alps Tour, Pro Golf Tour, Challenge Tour, whatever. As long as they keep it up and keep the momentum in a short space of time, then then it's kind of signs of a different thing. And since 2018, he's won twice on the, on the Pro Golf Tour, he's won twice on the Challenge Tour, and he's now got a chance to present himself at this stage. If he... He plays really poorly this week, and then he has another event and plays really poorly. Then you might see that he's found his level. But for now, I think you're kind of beckoning on the potential of what he could be. You know, he can win decent company. I think at the the, the grand final, it was uh, I'm just trying to think who it was that he was ahead of Alexander Knapp, Christopher Blomstrand, Julian Brum was in that. You know, not the greatest names, but Matt Ford has played on European tour. I think he beat Richard Mansell in Spain. So there's a couple of guys that have made their way onto the European tour and he's sort of edged them out already so that was for me was enough to, to catch my eye at 100 and 125 to 1 uh, yeah I agree you know I've got somebody else of a very similar vein uh, later on and I absolutely agree you know um, you need to be on when you can like you say I mean look 
Guido's a two-time winner, and you still managed to get 125 last week. And now you've got to take 25. Um, so you want to be on these players. It's 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 part of the enjoyment of the game, isn't it? Is spotting those that come through. You know, um, obviously, you know, you try and try and back a winner when you can, but um, I, I wouldn't say it's fun trying to. Uh, determine whether you know justin thomas rory mcroy colin morikawa is going to win it's nice if you get the winner yeah but it's certainly not as interesting as uh something like this where where you can make cases for for players previously so unknown um it, it's the same argument we had it with uh we had it at the last major with uh, ben where we discussed about being on somebody at you know 250 275 to one and then the week after being on at 66 and people saying, well, you've missed the boat. Well, you haven't missed the boat. You're trying <laughs> to get, you, you, you know, you're trying to be there, that potential at that price early. Um, and, you know, so, so if your man, you know, suddenly finishes eighth this week, obviously next week, round the same course, don't forget, because we're double-handed at the same course. Yeah. He's not going to be under 51, is he? So, no. Because he's now shown what you suspect he, he can be. So you re reevaluate. So this week you want 100, and you can get 100, 100 and a little bit more. Um, and you know that he finishes eighth. You, you re, you're not expecting 150 again next week. You're going to say he's finally showing, okay, he putted well on tough greens. He's 50. That's fine. Then you assess at 50. You know, it's 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 absolute, it's a nonsense argument, and, and I really don't understand it. And fair enough, yeah. You want to be on this three-figure price. You don't need a lot on. You win a lot. Um, stuff it, yeah. yeah well, you, you're right. either going to look, you're either going to, like no, you'll never look stupid for backing a triple-digit golfer to me. Like if you 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 know what you're getting with that player. You, there's a reason they're three figures. They you're not they're not a favourite, and you've gone all in on them really confident. You've picked a guy who's got a lot of potential. Doesn't work out. You chalk it up and go on to the next one. That's but it's yes, yeah, but it's not yeah, it's not three figures where they're exposed. Like um, you know, I don't know a, a Ricard Karlberg or you know, um, Kjeldsen, To be honest, he played really well a few few weeks ago, but. Um, you know, it's not they're not totally exposed. Um, you know, you're banking on the potential that they might be 150 to one this week, um, but next year in the same event, could be could be Guido, could be 25. There might be a thousand, but who cares? It, it, you know, you're not you're not backing Rory at eights, are you? No, absolutely not. Well, look, my my next two are one of them's well, they're both 200s one actually. So, and I've got one more to mention at 150. So, did you want to go on to your next picks? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this is, I think this is like we said before, I think it's a fantastic event. Um, maybe not in terms of quality, but fascinating in terms of the type of player that we got. I mean, Jorge Campillo, we backed last week. Yeah. Um, he's the same price this week, despite the fact that he really could have been quite easily inside the top 10. Stephen Brown's got that Portugal form. And also has the seventh over uh, Brittany in 2016. Um, can't putt, and, and I think you're going to perhaps need to here. Jordan Smith in this class is 60 to one, but he's another one that that can't putt. But we said earlier we're just waiting for these guys to show something. If they can, if they can at least, you know, have their iron game, but but you know, come inside the top 30 in putting average, uh, we're going to be on the next time. But unfortunately, they're not doing it at the moment. But my next one, I'm going for um, uh, a recent podcast interview e um, in Dale Whitnell. Yeah. Um, Dale wants a course like this. He's not a big hitter. He's a very, very tidy player. Um, he was fifth in 
uh, driving accuracy and uh, fourth in greens in regulation last week. Um, he generally he generally is very accurate. Um, he's gone a little bit uh, since he's sort of you know decent finish. I mean, last year I think we all we were all watching it, weren't we? During lockdown, there wasn't anything else to do. No. So he played very very well close house, obviously get the top five. But he played a lot better throughout Portugal and places like that. He was he was to use Skyler's t- term, he was better than field average, which in this course might in this case might absolutely be fine. Um, I know that uh, yourself and Mr. Coley pulled out um, a leak between the Cyprus Open and Qatar last week, um, and quite rightly, and actually Garrett Kigo was tied third there. Um, you were quite right to do that, and therefore, as we think Qatar links into here, which it does, his tied six over there is absolutely fine. Um, and I just thought we warmed up really, really well last week at Qatar. Um, the accuracy stats are perfect for around here, and then we get a bit more convoluted. Um, <laughs> firstly, if we if we go to Joburg, where he was, um, you know, better than midfield, he was 22nd stroke change approach, 25th in around the green and 12th in putting. Cyprus, we've discussed, he was 11th in strokes gained approach, 27th around the green, 13th in putting. Those figures are going to be absolutely fine around here, and and I think this is the sort of course that will suit him. You got the link to Brittany, right? You have to might lead me here, Tom. To be honest with you, because <laughs> I've got arrows everywhere. It <laughs> um, was tied eighth in Brittany in 2019 behind uh, Sebastian Heiseli who was tied fourth in Kenya in 2016 um, uh, behind Heseli obviously was Geary who was in second who we know was top 10 here last year Yeah. Um, and he was in turn behind uh, Francisco Laporta um, in the Challenge Tour final in 2019 and in tied fourth there was Jack Senior who played well last week until he Realised that he was on camera and couldn't hit a green for love nor money. Or make a putt. Or make a putt. There were, there were, you know, there were. There's links everywhere. To be honest with you, um, he won the KPMG Trophy um, in Belgium. Tied third there was senior again. Um, I, I just think where he plays well could link him really, really well with this course. Um, the the form lines. I mean, Laporte comes into it in a little bit as well, uh, behind a you know another player for the week. Um, his game will suit this course. It, it's a matter of how he puts on, on what can be grainy and tough greens to read. But I'm, ex- you know, he's a demon short game player when he's right. Um, he's not going to be left behind. Uh, I just thought this was a chance for him to to sort of get back on the, get back on the sort of place, place runway again, and, and just add another, you know, a top ten and hopefully a top seven, top six, to his repertoire. I think. 17th at the Alfred Dunhill, 28th at Qatar reads perfectly reasonably well. Um, and I think the course is going to suit even better. So, yeah, Whitnall at, um, what is he, 110? Something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned him last week, I think. Um, well, I mentioned him last week, didn't I? Because I said that it was kind of, I was uh, encouraged by how much he'd been playing over in America and sharpening his tools with uh, with Chris Paisley. Obviously, he played well as yeah. well last week. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that applies this week. You know, I think he had a leg up on the competition last week, as did Chris Paisley, on the fact they were out in yeah. Florida practice. And he did really well, didn't he? And he's mm. got a great chance this week with the obvious links. Um, and, I th- and I think that will translate well for him. I, think, I don't think he's ever really had uh, the chance to, to practice in the way that he has, the facilities that have been available to him. I don't think he's ever played at this level before. And, and since he's you know been on this European Tour run, since that fourth place at the British Masters, you know, it's been a couple of bad weeks, but generally speaking, he's been very solid, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, there's been plenty of sort of top 27s, top 25s, top 17s. You know, that is what he's doing at the moment. But as we sort of, it might be a very laborious point to make, but it's just one or two shots a week. You know, there's a difference between that and 10th place, isn't it? So there's not a lot that needs to happen for him. He's doing all he needs to do. You're backing him at 110 to 1 as opposed to 50 to 1 or whatever. Yeah, You're not. Value there's, yeah. there's great stuff there, isn't there? You, mm. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a bit of price value up at this range now. Um, we respect the chances of the guys at the top of the market. We just don't want to back them because I think it's a pretty volatile event um, and, a, and, a, and a golf course that we don't see that often on the European tour, so it's hard to get a real gauge on it. And I, and I think you know I think there's plenty of value at this uh, this end of the market. Mm. Another player that I was kind of thinking about earlier, and I just wanted to confirm what I was thinking about, and I haven't actually said this name to you yet. Richard Backelvoy. Oh, he played well last week. He was tied fifth yeah. last week, mm. wasn't he? Yeah, he played well. Uh, in Qatar, which is the last time he played well was actually the Alfred Dunhill, which we're talking about the South Africa link was in tied twenty fifth. Uh, before Christmas there um, and when you look back he had that European Porsche European Open win which obviously I like the link to and that that field was pretty good wasn't it that week that he won and I know you can't take too much from this but in the field that he beat was Paul Casey Matthias Schwab Patrick Reed, uh, Bryson famously blew up on the final day and didn't shake his hand did he um, you know so he had a decent scout there but that was a week after he'd won on the challenge tour as well so I think the fact that he can kind of carry that form over, the fact that he's got that Porsche European Open win, the fact that he's played well in the SA Open, tied third, um, you know, he generally plays pretty well at these type of golf courses, seventh in Joburg, as you've mentioned a couple of times. European Masters has popped up a few times as well. You know, just if he can carry on the form that he showed last week, which we expect that will happen, I thought that was a reasonable price at 151. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He played really, really well last week. Um, Putted well when we we got the chance to see him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm fine with that. He didn't do, you know. I'm a bit concerned that 65. I'm not. I'm concerned there's there's not enough sort of improvement in him. No. Um, We know what he is, don't we? Yeah, you know what he is. Yeah. But you know, if he finishes top seven, you don't care, do you? I mean, the guys that I've got coming up now, one of them who has basically disappeared off the place of the planet, place of the planet, not place of the planet, um, <laughs> you know, and then another guy that's got a bit of potential still. But that, you know, I just thought there was enough there at 150s. I know you've got another pick here at 175 to 150 to 1-ish, and, and I like him as well. Uh, hold on. Oh, yeah, because the other fellas are even bigger, isn't he? That's it. My word, is he really? I can't. Oh, God, he is. Right, anyway, okay, so the one for the week, the one for the week, and the one for your notebooks is Lars Van Mihal, is it? We'll my, hill, my Hill, My Hill. My Hill, My Hill. Really, you know, looks a, a, an absolute improving. Um, is he young? I suppose he's young in, in, in context. He's not, you know, he's not, um, you know, he's not a kid. Not Richard McAvoy, is he? He's not Richard McAvoy, yet, but he's not. He's he, you know he's not um, Rasmus Hogard either. But he really caught my eye because um, I think he's sort of going against nobody's spotting him at the moment. Uh, recently tied seventh at the Joburg Open reads, absolutely awesome. And then last week that top fifteen at Qatar, um, 
really is a, a, a sort of a result that I didn't expect him to have. Um, I'm trying to find his stats, and I've lost my bit of paper. Tom's a filling. Well, look, but in the it. last in the last 15 weeks, he's the, the two times he's made the cut. He was ninth last week in strokes gain approach, and he was third 15 weeks ago, whatever yep. that was. Um, I'm guessing that event you just mentioned there. He was third in the field with his irons there as well. So when he's playing well, when well, that sounds stupid. When he's playing well, he hits his iron wells. When he's when he's made the cut, it's because he's been led by his great iron game. And you know he's got the kind of things that link into this event. Yeah. So he found yeah he found eight and a half strokes on the field at Joburg, which was a decent you know a very decent field. He found nine shots on the field, and approach at Qatar. Um, his putting looks looks reasonable enough. I mean it's not great, um, but it looks reasonable enough given that he's obviously still learning his way through. Um, bit of sort of convoluted form if you like. Jackson Bra, who we've mentioned, and I know. I think we're both waiting for him to sort of do something special yeah. on the tour. I certainly am when he comes back. Um, we've mentioned him and, and how he has related it to Plenow. Um, or Plenow, whatever you call it. Um, he won the 2018 Red Sea Little Venice Open on the Alps Tour. And for anybody laughing at the Alps Tour, Guido Migliozzi won twice in 2018 and once in 2017. I'm just and we've also at got... the uh, event title there. Little Venice Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've also got, obviously, uh, Adrian Naus and um, John Smith has played on there. Um, Antoine Rosner has played on there. And there's plenty more. So this this is a, a really good development tour. But anyway, Jackson Bra won 2018 Red Sea Little Venice Open. Uh, Lars won it in 2017. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> where are we? Um, he won on the Challenge Tour from High Selly who we've um, also won in Kenya, and we've also linked into Josh Geary, who was very, who has played very well here um, and over at uh, Plinau as well. Um, third was Laporta, Francesco Laporta, who also has form in Kenya, although albeit a different track. He links in very well with the Dale Whitnall and the Sebastian Hysili. Uh, his seventh in Joburg, is, for me, is fantastic. You've got uh, Hayden Portius and Brandon Stone, I've already mentioned, first and second over there. Uh, he's about to strike, I think, at any point. And I really like the fact that, um, you know, he, he's, he's got 14th in what was probably a better event last week, I, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, he looks to have the game. He looks to have the, the ball striking ability. Um, and I just thought 175 to 1. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was too big. Um, for, for somebody who I think we haven't seen we don't know what he can do. Let's put it like that. He's a multiple winner um, on the Challenge Tour. I think, in fact, when he was seventh to in the Joburg Open, obviously, um, uh, JB Hansen won that. Brandon Stone was tied fourth. So we know exactly what we get in there. Um, Darren Fickard was 11th. Your man, Nicholas Lemke, was 11th. Um, it doesn't take a great deal of imagination to think that he can really do something quite special. You know, he's... He does well. He's done well in Italy on the Challenge Tour. Um, that can be quite tight. Matt Jordan won that. So we know. And Anton Rosner was tied fourth there. So he's a year in front of um, Rosner in terms of experience, if you like. But he's very much the type of player that, that catches the eye similar to a Rosner or an Arnoos, where they're both, they've learned their game. They've won on the Alps Tour. They've now won on the Challenge Tour. Um, and he's stepping up on the main tour. And he's, he's doing very well. When he was third in Slovakia... 
in 2019. Uh, my next bet, Reece won that. Um, and Josh Geary was second. Um, so Geary doesn't turn up in very many places. Dale Whitnell was tied third, by the way. Um, so he doesn't turn up in very many places. But when he does, there are huge links to this Kenyan event. And 175 to 1, be on, because if he's a top 10 this week, he's going to be 50 next week. And that's it. The thing is, as well, you say that about the fact that he's, in terms of experience, he's ahead of Rosner. Rosner's 28 years of age and Lars van Meerhaal's 26. So yeah, but I, there's yeah. no, but what I'm saying is, is there's still things to come, you would like to think. Hmm. And so when people people look at some of these names and they say, oh, okay, he's won a couple of times on the Challenge Tour, he's won on the Alps Tour, etc. But he can't do it at the next tour. Well, he hasn't really had that much of a chance to do it yet. You know, he's just had one year basically wiped out because of the pandemic anyway. So you're talking about the fact that he hasn't done anything between, what, 21 and 24. You know, it's not a big window, is it? These guys take time to figure things out. He's won twice on the Alps Tour 2017-2019, then won again on the Challenge Tour 2019. That's an improvement in itself. And now he's kicking on and finishing the top 14, top 7 in European Tour events as well. So for me, I think it's yeah, I think it's a great pick. I think the fact that he's had those two great showings with his irons, you know, that's something that we use Tortits for is to try and find the guys that are hitting their irons well. It's all right to go and look at the season-long events of who hit greens and and or whatever, but you want to see who hit the best approaches last week, and it gives you some clues into yeah. to what to expect, doesn't it? I think it's significant that this comes obviously just a few days after Qatar. I think you yeah. want to be yes. Yeah, uh, I think we've always said, and I think. Um, players have always said it when we've interviewed them it's very hard to find if you've got a problem with your irons or they're just not feeling right unless you're Justin Thomas and you find something halfway through a tournament um, <laughs> yeah, it's very very difficult to, to make an adjustment you know you're on a plane for one day um, and you've got two days left you, you can't do it during tournament play so you do want to come here with confidence in your irons um, and I, I, as I say I think given the fact that we're playing exactly the same event next week really um I don't know who else he's going to enter. Um, you really want to be... start, by the way. Yes, yes. You really want to be keeping an eye on these these kids um, and just seeing just that slight bit of improvement because you know them turning up again next week. We, who was it that mentioned that he didn't particularly like it when it was when it was the same tournament twice? Um, uh, was, it was it Horsey? I think. Oh, was it Horsey? Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't particularly like it, and and you can understand that for a seasoned professional who sort of is, is used to the routine of packing your bags and off you go and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I think these more inexperienced people are going to really, really appreciate it. I think this week is a, is, is a massive hint to next. And, you know, if somebody like, you know, Van Michal or your man even showing the top 25, but, but can be in, the, you know, the top 15 of ball striking, you know, it's a huge hint for next week. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to put him in. I haven't said it very well. I haven't said my argument very well, but you know, I've been rushing today, so uh, that's can, what you'll get. We can always summarise it, can't we, and put it in a couple of tweets or whatever towards the end. But at the end of the day, the names there, we can. Uh, you've given enough reason, I think, for it. It's convinced me. So there we go. My next two are two hundred to one. The first one's Burned Ritzhammer, who has possibly one of the best names in golf. Um, Three top tens at this golf course when it's been on the Challenge Tour, third, seventh, tenth. He was 57th here in this actual event two years ago, and Guido won, um, but actually went back on the uh, final day of a 74. He was he was sort of in the top 30 and could have made his way up the leaderboard. Um, 
when he played the Golf in Dubai Championship before Christmas, he led the field in strokes gain approach. Now that was it was the lesser of the two Dubai events, of course, but it had some great players in there: Rosner, B. Mm. Wallace, Lorenzo Vieira, Sullivan, Fisher, Wiesberger, etc. Vaughan Olsen. There was good, you know, good quality in that event. Uh, he was tied ninth in the showdown, and when he came out of from lockdown, he went 18th for the Austrian Open, 32nd at the Bank, uh, the Euran Bank. 21st in Wales. He was in a you know, good, solid form. Two of his biggest uh, finishes on the European Tour, second at the Porsche European Open. Uh, eighth at Valderrama, was obviously tight and, and test your irons. Ninth in Portugal. So it's two of the events that I wanted to link to. Played well at the BMW International Open, again in Germany, tied 16th. You know, this is a guy that I think everyone, there was kind of a a bit of potential about him because he's got those three wins, haven't he, on the Challenge Tour in 2016, as you know. He won the grand final as well. And for me, he obviously hasn't fulfilled that potential, but there's no reason why he can't do that in this sort of event. And the fact that he'd had such a good ball-striking week uh, in a bigger field, you know, okay, it was a a little while ago now, but it's not completely out of the memory. Missed a cut last week after a, a tough, I think it was a 78 in the second round, but he played all right the first day. I just think there's enough there for me to, he's going to come back to a course that he knows probably better than most in this field. Um, experienced enough, and it's a chance for him to make a step up. And I thought 200 to 175 to 150 to 1, anything like that, with whatever place turns that you fancy, uh, was plenty appealing enough for me. Yeah, I, I, again, I think it's it's a case you can make. Um, I think there might be a lot of players here that um, sort of top 20 cross doubles because yeah. I think you've got a lot of players at some very big prices that are, are very, very capable. You know, if they perform, you know, between their average and their best, are going to are gonna be top 20. Um, and it, as we say continually... It's, you know, the role of a ball or or a bad lie or something like that that makes a difference between coming 15th and 6th. Yeah, it's a a fair argument. I can't argue with it. Talking of capable, Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño is obviously a player that we know is capable of winning at this level. Um, He seems to have kind of put his, uh, you know, career to a halt by trying to go out to America and making it but that's what everyone wants to try and do that's the ultimate goal got to give it you've got to strike while the iron's hot but what is it is he is he a seven or eight time winner on the European tour I think it is um, you know he's, he's won plenty and and I just like him for this event I just think that it's something that he plays well in he's finished second at the Portugal Masters before He's played well in South Africa multiple times. And the last three events he's made the cut, he was uh, first in the field in strokes cane approach last week, and he's been 22nd and 4th recently as well. Um, that was 78th in the third round last week, which kind of threw him backwards. But, you know, I just... It, for me, it's kind of... There's enough with his iron game to suggest that he's coming back to a bit of form. Uh, his recent results are kind of showing that, and the fact that he's making cuts after... Years of not doing that. I think he had he withdrew from the showdown, which is no great qualms considering he was probably going <laughs> to miss it anyway. Uh, missed the cut of the Alfred Dunhill, but otherwise 35th SA Open, 30 Joburg Open, uh, 39th Italian, 33 Scottish. He was doing enough, and that 14th place finish at the Portugal Masters last year, as I said to you earlier, Jason, is his best finish since 2018 on the European Tour. Mm. Um, so it kind of to me suggests that he's getting close to to something that 
is like his best. Um, I don't know if he'll ever get back to that kind of earlier form because I think the game's probably moved on from his type of skill set, hasn't it? He's not a guy that is, you know, brilliant, uh, you know, off the tee or anything like that. He's got a tidy game. But, you know, seven-time European Tour winner. There's not many people in this field that can say that. And if those links are any good in terms of Portugal and, and the European Open things like that, then, uh, then I think he's a fair price at 201. It's it's another one, isn't it? I you know absolutely agree. Play better than he's than he's than he might do. Than his his form might suggest. Yeah, like you know thirtieth at Joburg, thirty fifth in the South African Open, thirty third in Scotland. As you say, fourteenth in Portugal. You, it, it's tiny to get that up to to a top ten. I mean, yeah. it really is. I mean, I'm not convinced that obviously he could he could still do it. Um, I mean, he isn't a you know Lee Westwood, is he? He hasn't dedicated no. his his life again to that. But you know, yeah, we've seen you know flashes of brilliance from um, Gray McDowell when the when the uh, the tournament is correct. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's very hard to argue strongly against somebody at that price. Um, you, you might not see it, but it's very very hard to argue against it. If it um, and, if... and like you say, you, you want to stick him in these top ten, top twenty doubles. He's another one that's really should be suited to this course. Since he's been making cuts, he's, he was a person I really, I really liked. I really supported, you know, on the European tour back when I first got into it because he was the kind of guy that, obviously from that form, he was he was winning. 2011, 2013, was 2012 was kind of when I was getting into it, um, and that's when he was kind of at his peak. So he was always there. Uh, he had his little dust up with Simon Dyson, didn't he? Which I don't think he's ever quite uh, eclipsed and, and moved on from. He, uh, I think he still talks about that, which is maybe testament to to what we're talking about with him, but. This is a guy that's he's finished tenth in the U.S. Open. He finished third at Bay Hill during that run in 2013. He ha- it's been a long, long time since he's been anywhere near the player that he was. But I just think that the fact that he led the field with his irons last week, and he was 22nd and fourth during those two South African events, suggests to me that he's he's dialed in with that part of his game. And when he gets like 40 and 45 and 50 years of age, and that it's, it's kind of on the greens that where you kind of let it go, and that's obviously what's affecting him because he's not putting the scores together. He can get hot with a putter every now and then. Mm. You know, that's that's literally what you're relying on at this kind of price. Most of these guys down here at these odds either can't hit a driver or can't putt. Um, and they can do something in between elsewhere. So um, if I've just got to rely on him getting streaky with a putter, which is what the stats suggest on tour tips, then uh, then I'll take my chances at 201. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Any others for you in the Kenyo? Uh, Reese Enoch. Yeah, you did say that. Uh, <laughs> I did say that. Yeah, Reece Enoch, uh, a lot based on the fact that he's um, a miles better player in South Africa than he is anywhere. And if there's, I, I know it's a Joe Berg link, really, but uh, if there is a link between, you know, being happy there and, and being happy here, then um, I know that, you know, your mate Skyler uh, put him up last week, yeah. um, which is great. I, I, I love, I love putting up these big prices. You don't, you need one every year and a half or something, don't you, um, to make it worth it. Um, I like the fact that he's when he won in Slovakia, we've already covered it earlier. Um, he beat Josh Geary again, like we say, not the greatest player in the world, but hugely significant this week. Dale Whitner was third. My mate Lars was fourth. Um, and you go back down. Darius Van Driel is there. Rasmus Hogard, Jack Senior. Um, so there are, you know, really talented players just behind. Never really um, did what he should have done. When I was covering the Challenge Tour, I don't know if I've told you about that. Um, but he always did. Yeah. 
fact, he always did perform down down in Africa. Um, you know, we mentioned last week that obviously his wife comes from there. Um, won very, very recently, won the Kit Kat Pro-Am. You know, he beat Burmy. He beat some decent players. You know, Jaden Trey Shapers in this field. Uh, Becker played well over the weekend. Garrett Kigo was down in 11th. Wilco Nyanaber in 16th. Um, so he beat some really good players, you know, with the final round of 67. Um, and I just thought, yeah, OK, it wasn't brilliant last week. The, the 47th isn't brilliant. But he was 14th in driving accuracy and 7th in greens in reg. Yeah. Um, you know, 25th tee to green, found five shots on the field, was positive on the field on approach. Uh, it was only his putting that let him down. But returning to somewhere where clearly um, the South Africans um, do well at, I just thought it was a bit insulting. I, I, I thought, yeah, I, 200 to 1 just seemed wrong to me. Um, meh, we'll see what happens. He hit a 69 last week. He hit a 65 uh, to open up at Joburg. 66 when he won the Kit Kat Pro-Am. It's wrong in this field, and that's that's really all that you can say about it. Um, I'm hoping that the return to a South African-friendly event, uh, um, course you know, inspire something. And, and like you say, you know, these prices, I, I'm really happy to be on it. I think we're on 110, 175, 50. You've got a couple of three-figure prices. You know, the only one I want to be on is 50, although it wouldn't surprise me if somebody like Big Yotsi ran away with it. But it also wouldn't surprise me to see any of these um, do a Migliozzi and, and go on and win. So, yep, I'm sticking Enoch in my uh, team and I'm happy. Absolutely. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think there is, there, there's obviously every chance that someone runs away with it from the top. Um, Langaska's got a second and a sixth here, isn't he? Someone like that that's, that's won, you know, recently on the European tour. There's, these guys up there, Chris Pays, we mentioned earlier, any one of those can go on and do it. Um, but we don't really need to tell you that we don't we don't need to point those people out if there was one that was making a really compelling case that we thought was too big we'd tell you but they all you know have done what they need to do and they're, they're that price so for me it's it's find the ones that we uh, we don't necessarily think of and, and give you those let's go on to the honda classic shall which which i actually found quite a tedious event to uh, to get into really um it didn't help by the fact that the field shrimp continues to weaken We've got Daniel Berger, who we're obviously very big fans of, at 11 to 1, and Sung JM at 12 to 1. Then it jumps quite big to, to Wacky Neiman at 20 to 1, Westwood 22s, Adam Scott 28s, Shane Lowry 28s, and Russell Henley 30s. Um, I've got one name from there that kind of stood out to me, which doesn't normally. Um, but any of those make appeal to you? Not, not to me, personally, no. No. I just, for I mean, me, it's, so, it's tough, isn't it, the price? Yeah, sorry. I mean, I mean for me, the most obvious link was the Arnold Palmer. Um, I know that, that there are others obviously you can bring in, but Sanjay and Keith Mitchell, um, the last two winners, and obviously got Ricky Fowler just behind Mitchell as well. Um, huge form at, at the Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill. It makes perfect sense. So I concentrated on a link between there and, and, and anything here, really. Um, so, yeah, Sanjay must, but I mean, God, can you really ever back him at 12 to 1? No, not the moment. Sorry, let's carry on, mate. No, let's say the the one person for me that kind of made a little bit of sense was Shane Lowry in the sense that uh, it it could get really windy here. Um, Ball striking is important. He just finished eighth at the Players' Championship. I find it really hard to get on board with him at 28-1. I I say this quite often. I think he's 
someone that's pretty short in the market. Um, we've just seen the likes of Taylor Gooch play really well at the at the players. Brendan Steele and Cramming Tringali have been playing really well for the last God knows how long on the on the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, he's almost the same price as his Westwood. He is in some places. Um, who's just finished back-to-back second places. It's a tough price to look at, but he was just the one that kind of stood out for me when you remove him from the odds of, of the likes of him and Berger. I mean, Wacky Neiman's 20-1, to 1 and, and the Sony Open mm. is obviously a, a big link into this, so we know he does play well in the wind, but there wasn't really much to get excited about at the top of the betting for me. I, I, found, I found it very difficult. I mean, we were talking earlier, and I had a list of of players and uh, I I think eight playing. of them, I think eight <laughs> of them, are, or eight, eight of the twelve are not playing. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very very difficult. Like I say, I mean, full respect to the top. Like, you know, do you want to be on Lowry at twenty eight? Do you want to be on Sung Jim at twelve? To be honest, and and you know, I know Ben's column is out, and and who am I to argue? But I, I would go Sung Jim, and I, I don't think any of them are value. So. Well, there was that thing, wasn't there, where you could back him at the start of the year. They did the the, the defending champions betting, didn't they? And Sung Jae was thirty three to one or whatever yeah, it was that, for this yeah. event, and everyone yeah. took that up. Yeah. Um, and if you got on that, then great. That's exactly the sort of price. If he was thirty three to one, we'd be talking about him all podcast. Um, but he's not, so I think it's very easy to move on. My uh, what what made me worry was the people that kind of stuck out to me here. Um, <laughs> Keegan Bradley. Uh, Fifty to one. Uh, the thing, I, the thing I like about Bradley is he's been, he's some, he's so good at ball striking, isn't he? He's, he's a phenomenal tee screen player, despite the fact that he, everyone talks about his toe tapping, free shot routine as if he's not been doing it for the last ten years. Um, he's an excellent player. In terms of the last fifteen weeks, he leads the field in strokes gained approach. Um, Twenty eighth and forty second last two weeks, fifteenth and twenty fifth two weeks before that. Um, and his call, you know, his current form. He's just finished 29th for the players, um, which was he started uh, with a 70, so he's actually 11th after. He's actually got worse over the weekend. But at the Arnold Palmer, he, he was seventh uh, after round one, 26th. He got he shot 64 on Saturday, to be in fourth place. Uh, and even with a 78 in round four, finished 10th there. And I just think for me, there's there's so much to to like about the fact that he's kind of stringing events together because he's he's a sort of player that we know wins quality events he's won a major he's won a playoff event he's been up there in wgc's you know he's he is absolutely superb it's just the putter is always going to let him down at some point during the week but when it's as tough as it is here and it can do and can get really windy i think that his ball striking prowess will come to the fore um and for me that was enough to, to get on board at 50 to 1 that's fine. Not I, know I know you don't like him. Um, it's not that I don't like him. I've just got... Um, there's quite a well-known columnist that has a different name for him. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, he's very, very frustrating. You know he's going to miss four-footers, don't you? Um, but, you know, playing okay. Why not? It's just it's not... just that kind of field where he looks... Major winners do well here, don't they? So, they do. Um, and and, and older ones, don't winner. they? Yeah, incredibly, he's a major winner. So... Um, yeah, there we are. Well, you just look at his wins. He won the PGA Championship 2011, WGC Bridgestone 2012. He won the BMW Championship against Rose in a playoff, which I remember very well because I had Rose in a double with Fitzpatrick. <laughs> um, so that was frustrating for him to come back form then. Won the Byron Nelson. He's a second at another 
uh, WGC as well, third at PGA. He's he's top draw. Um, yeah, oh, he's just not striking. consistent. Um, but you know, unbelievable ball striker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, and that's all that's all I'm looking for this week because none of these players in this event are actually solid, solid putters. The ones that were really solid putters are, are not anymore. Ricky Fowler isn't as good at putting as he was back in the day. Poulter literally doesn't know which putter to pick up every week. Um, you know, strangely, people like Lee Westwood look like better putters at the top of the market. But who knows? It's For me, that was the first name that came to my mind, Keegan Bradley, which scares the life out of me for the rest of the, uh, the event. Um, so I'm going further down the field after this. Yeah, I think we, we respected the chance of Matt Wallace, didn't we? We did. Um, yeah, obviously he's got, again, you know, he's got those bits of form at the Arnold Palmer. We know he likes the wind. Um, multiple, multiple winner. I know on the Alps Tour, which is several leagues below this. Um, but yeah, he... he um, he's... Do you know what I mean? If you put Shane, Le- oh, don't go back Shane Larry. I'm just if you put Shane Larry up at 28 and, and Wallace up at 55, uh, especially at, you know top 20 at the Arnold Palmer could have been better. Um, top 10s at Abu Dhabi um, and obviously in Dubai, the Scottish Championship is a, is a league below this, but it, it doesn't really matter. Um, he's going to like conditions, and yeah, I, I, I thought Wallace at 55 was potential. Um, I, I just wasn't sure. There, there's so many there. I couldn't have Doug Gim after he got really quite, disappointed yesterday. Sorry for him, actually, over the weekend. That was a he, shame. He's playing that well, was... isn't he? Yeah, you've been putting him up, to be fair, um, mm. earlier on in the year at much, much bigger prices. He's now, the market's caught him, haven't they? Um, Benny Ann obviously can't putt, despite the fact he's got his claims. Doesn't it, like it's, water. It's, you know, yeah, Fritelli showed something last week, didn't he? Yeah. Um, which was pretty good. It's It's... There's a handful of names here. I think Kymer plays well at this course. Yep. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes has obviously had that close run here. Luke List plays very well here. Alex Noren, we spoke about, um, has got a third-place finish here and played okay at the Genesis. All decent prices, all decent win players, all decent ball strikers. It's just the win equity on them isn't great. So I'd rather go down the field and try and pick someone up at a bit of each way value. Yep, and the, yep. let's carry on going. The first name I come to is Patton Kazaya. Um, he's just on an unbelievably consistent run of golf um, for someone that isn't generally known for consistency. I mean, he hasn't missed a cut uh, since the Safeway, which is the first event of this new season, which was, what, back in September, I think it was. Um, yep, yeah, 13th of September is the last time he missed a cut. He had a 7th place finish in Hawaii, which correlates well here. He's got two other top 11s this season, the RSM Classic and the Houston Open, both sort of a bit wind-affected. Just finished 35th at the Players. Um, he's got that win in Hawaii. He's got that win in Mayakoba. Both of them playing in wind. Um, yeah, that was just that was enough alone for me to kind of like him. He hasn't got the best of form uh, at this event, but he's got experience. And I think we've seen in the past that it isn't so much that you have to have top 10s and top 20s here before you've got a win. You just need to have seen it a couple of times. At the end of the day, there's so much water on this event that you'll you can ruin a, a score very quickly, a bit like what we saw at the Players' Championship when Fuddy, however many it was at the top 20 in the world, missed the cut. You know, it's one of those sort of events. Um, so for me, we know he's a multiple winner. Not many people in the field can say that. He has got a 26th place finished here back in the day. Um, so for me, that was enough at 80 and 90 to 1. 
again, it, it's really, really hard to argue this week, I think, on both tournaments. Yeah. If you come up with, with an argument for somebody at 80 to 1 and, and bigger, I'm, I'm re- I really find it hard to argue. I mean, normally you can, you can go, well, I'm not happy with this about his game, etc., etc. But yeah, I, I, I'm not going to argue. I think if somebody put up six players and they were all three figures, absolutely. I think both of them, I think both events have, have been dealt tough withdrawals and that's just made it a bit more wide open for everybody and you might not get the kind of prices you hope on these players I mean James Hahn is a player that every time he's sort of 300 and 401 people put him up because he does win um, he's striking the ball incredibly well um, and he's played okay here in the past as well he's 90 to 1 there's there's a guy here that you like at 80s and 90 to 1 as well uh, Richie Wierenski yeah caught the eye massively at the Arnold Palmer which yeah. you know Quite frankly, I, I, I keep saying I, I, I really think that the link there, especially as it's, you know, these these tournaments have been brilliant the last few weeks. You know, um, the schedule's but, been great this time. Yeah, around, forced to have them, forced to have them in this order, and it leads up to the Masters. They've been absolutely outstanding, uh, proper proper tournaments, proper weather conditions, and you've really had to play well to win. Um, and Wawrinski really really caught the eye um, when he was fourth at the AP. I know he faded a bit towards the end. Um, you go back to other tough tournaments. You know, the Farmers uh, opened up two sixty nines, the American Express six nine sixty eight sixty five. He's you know he's not going to be the most most winning of players. Um, he has won at Barracuda. It wasn't the greatest of fields, but that is in wind. Um, he's third at the Mayakoba. You know, again, it's windy. St Jude, he's got he's got format. He's top five there. Mexico on and Colombia on the uh, Corn Ferry. Texas, the Wyndham, that's something you you quite like the look of. Yeah. Um, you know, he was just behind the likes of Simpson, Nah, um, Shane Lowry, as you talk about. It's um, I'm not saying it's clutching at straws, but I, I just felt if he's found something, um, especially at at the Arnold Palmer, which is, you know, like I say, a tournament that, that I really like. He led scrambling there. Whether he can do it again, who knows? But having having hit a career best seventeenth here last year, the final round of sixty nine. I just wonder if he'll take that confidence through. Um, I know he didn't do particularly well at the players last week, but I don't think that's particularly going to bother different him. Different event completely, um, isn't it? Yeah, so, so eight, you know, class-wise, absolutely completely different. So 80 to 1, 90 to 1. These are where I start my card. Um, it is, it's not tilting at windmills, but it is, it is hoping that he plays at his best. And if he does, I don't see any reason why, why he can't contend. He's got the form throughout the last couple of years. So, yeah, give it a go. He's a person that always catches my eye in these sort of events. Um, slightly shorter this week than I expected him to be. Wesley Bryan, it's 125 oh, yeah. to one. Won the Heritage, you know, short, you know, testy trap with Orions. He's been fourth here in the past. We actually led through the first 36 holes. He's been seventh at the Valspar. Um, you know, he won in Mexico on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. There, there's just enough there to kind of suggest he's played well at the Wyndham. It, he's he's a kind of really good iron player. Just finished thirty second in Hawaii, sort of two starts ago, and he he was he was a player that was on a decent trajectory until he he got a wrist injury and he was out for a long long time. He's great. He's so he's so capable of putting in a low score at Hawaii. Shot three round uh, four rounds of sixty eight or better and got better over the weekend. Um, that was just a very low scoring event. He's he's just someone that. That I would mention at this price. Um, 
my main sort of pick other than this is kind of down to 400s one mark which kind of says everything that i need to know about this event um but yeah i just thought it was worth a mention yeah absolutely you know it's <laughs> It it's feels like, like that event, doesn't it? It is feel, yeah. I think you can, yeah. I think both events are exactly. So, like I say, I mean, you know, this is a possible potential. You know, you can you can really play sort of a few across the card, and if you hit it, you can going to hit it big. Um, it does feel like that type of event. I mean, in between, you know, last week we put up Jorge Campillo at Qatar because of his love, purely off three missed cuts of, of his love of the area and of the golf course, and I think Keith Mitchell. I'll put in late now. Um, <laughs> Keith Mitchell is the same sort of same sort of thing, really. Yeah. Um, you know, experienced enough, rather like Campio, but obviously he has, you know, he has the win at the Honda, um, which Sung him has. He has uh, top five, top six at the uh, Arnold Palmer. Again, Sung him has both of those. He's got a top six at Houston, at Windy. He's got top twenties at the Sony. You know, he plays okay at Jack's Place. Um, look, it's it is the same type of thing. You're going to have to just trust that he can do it. But it's just interesting the way, you know, he won the Honda off a miscut of the Genesis and then followed it up with that top six of the Arnold Palmer. He had a miscut of the Heritage, went top eight of the Wells Fargo, which is obviously always a decent tournament. Um, missed the cut of Mayakoba and finished top 15 in the RSM. Missed the cut of the Honda, which is a tournament he likes, and then finishes tight, you know, top five at uh, Bay Hill. Um, last year, which, as we know, was um, absolutely brutal. Um, and he comes off a miscut tie 44 and 70th to finish top 15 at the Sony Hawaii not that long ago. Um, so he turns up at events that are hard, that are windy. Um, 100 to 1 for a man that absolutely adores it around here. You know, so it's fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I think I'll have a... Yeah, again, he'll go in the top 20 doubles and, and maybe something else on top of that so yep yeah, i quite like him at three figures um wh- when's your next one what's your next mine's, one mine's not until 400 to one okay. so you're free to go uh yeah I've, yeah okay this is one we spoke about earlier on <laughs> again exactly the same this is purely about horses and courses uh sung hoon kang who nobody has any idea what he's going to do um you I, you know more about him than i do to be honest with you with you tom but um again yeah. He's one that, that turns up at the Arnold Palmer. So when it gets really difficult, he's there. I mean, you know, Hatton's, as we say, Hatton's brutal uh, Bay Hill win. He's, what is he, top 12, top 15, something like that. Um, he was top 10 the week, the year before when Molinari won. I, I've got not a clue what he's going to do, but he's got the top, you know, the tied second at the um, at the Genesis. Really, really difficult tournament. Um Obviously, he won the Byron Nelson. He was placed at the PGA. I've got absolutely not a clue what he's going to do. Um, but 250 to one, rather like it was. Siwoo Kim used to, he was backing at these sort of prices, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, when he was, nobody really knew what he was doing. But you know, he's, he's a multiple winner, Kang. Um, he's got forming great events, um, including windy tournaments and. Do you know what? He's got 10th here that he can call on if he wants to. At Houston, he gets beat by Henley. Well, Russell Henley, as we know, can you know he's massively fancied here. Ricky yep. Fowler, we spoke about earlier, but we, I think we think he's a bit short. He was just in front of him. Luke List plays well here. He was just in front of him. Berger was fifth. Oh, 250 at one. You know what I mean? It's got to be worth a shekel, isn't it? I think so. The thing that we're... And Kang's been someone I've backed him at Pebble Beach and 
Genesis just on the exchange. Yeah. God yeah. knows what it was, 600, 700, one, whatever. Um, just because I'd, I'd noticed that he was working with uh, George Gankus, who's uh, Matthew Wolfe's coach. Um, whether that, that actually benefits him, I don't know. But it's not at the moment. Yeah. At, at the moment, it's not. But you know, you, you see this with players. They, they go for all these swing changes and they go for all these miscuts because they're trying to adapt their game. Like we mentioned earlier in the interviews, you don't have time at tournaments to get it right. Um, eventually, he's going to sort it out. He's a player that you've just spoken about. His pedigree is very, very good. He's got two top tens at Bay Hill where he plays very, very well. We mentioned him there as well. Um, eventually, it's going to you think it's going to turn around for him or he's just going to disappear off the face of the planet. So you've got, you've got two... Um, two outcomes really and at 250 to one in a weak field who you're cares? not really asking for much are you nah who cares absolutely oh do you want me to carry on right I'm still, yeah, we're still go, reaching go, 400 go to one yeah. Few, yeah we haven't got to 400 <laughs> right my final one is another absolute punt uh, which is Troy Merritt yeah. um, and again you know he's got 16th at the AT&T at Pebble Beach it's difficult he's got uh, the 4th at the Arnold Palmer just recently um, he's one in Mexico he's got form at St. Jude he's got form in Texas he's got form at the Wyndham which I know you like um, we're absolutely now we are tilting at windmills Val Spar as well Florida form he's a cracking scrambler um, you know um, which is potentially why he, he sort of raises up the field. He, again it's another one isn't it you know these players in these events if it does get difficult we, we say it about Christian Bez don't we mm-hmm. you know he's not going to shoot you know 364s and a 65 um, and always he and it's clear you can see throughout their profile where they it's, it's not that they're better scramblers they just are less inconvenienced by conditions so therefore the standard I don't know um, 40th that he might get improves to a top 20 when conditions are, are tougher on other players than he is again 275 to 1 I mean you know, what's he going to be for a top 20? It's, it's He's going to be huge. I'm, I'll shove him in because he's got the form in the right places, even though he's got crap form everywhere else. <laughs> On the odd occasion that he turns up, it is in the right places. So, yeah, I'll, I'll stick him in. Uh, you know, on a weekend that we expect big price players to, to, you know, take up at least a couple, two, three places on the top 10, you know, there's a case for them. Um, it may not be the greatest of cases, but there is a case for them, and and you know, he's a winner, so why not? Absolutely, I'm going to go with my 400 to one shot now because it's it's on the it's on the tip of my tongue, and and I feel like I need to get it out now. Mm. Um, Jim Herman, mm. he does this, he just does it, he just wins these sort of events. Um, it's not a case of he's got to 400 to one, so now you must back him, but it's not much different to that. I mean, he's got a win at the Houston Open, a win at the Wyndham. I keep correlating to. A win at the Barbasol, which we neither of us can decide whether it's actually relevant or not. <laughs> um, he's had a third at the Valspar, which is obviously in Florida. He's had a seventh place finish here in 2015, and I think it was a, a top 27. Yeah, 27th he was here as well two years later, where he was actually better than that through two uh, two rounds. He's in the top 20. Um, he's had a 10th in Hawaii, which is obviously wind-affected, 12th in the Tournament of Champions again, 11th Wyndham Championship, 14th Houston Open, on top of that win as well. He just turns up at the events that kind of suits him. And he's he's not a long driver of the ball. He's short and crooked and, and generally doesn't do that much very well. But when he when he's on, he's one of those people, a bit like James Hahn, similar sort of ilk. They kind of get compared as two of the same. 
when they get in the hunt, they generally tend to stay there. And he, he suddenly turns into this like elite ball striker. Um, you know, there's two events that he's made the cut in recent weeks, which is, you know, not actually that recent. But he's had a 20th and a 32nd in strokes gain approach, which is decent probably in those fields. Um, I don't care about miscuts with Jim Herman. It doesn't matter. It's just when it gets to a golf course that suits him, which his course form suggests it does, I'll take 400 to one about him. Yep. Um, 400 to one, eight places. There is 500 to one if you want to take six places. That's probably just as fine because it's probably win or bust with him anyway. Um, but yeah, 400, 500 to one about a player that we know has won three times in a crap field. I'll, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, do you know what? Do you know what? He's won twice in the last two and a half years, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so 23, 43, 49 events, he's won twice. And I think he was huge price when he won the Wyndham. Um, I can't remember what he was, but it, it's got to have been 200 at least, isn't it? You know, as you rightly say, you know, when you won Barbasol, he came off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven miscuts in the Tide 71. Yeah. When he won the Wyndham, he came off two miscuts in the Tide 77. I mean, the PGA, but who cares? It's irrelevant. It, you know, it's there. Form doesn't it? matter to him. There's no, no there's no, no, no um, absolutely. You don't need to see him trending, do you? It's not there's, there's certain players that you see that finish 30th, 25th, 14th win. There's it's certain just, players that just miss a cut and then win when they're ready. It's the same as same as Kang, isn't it? It's just yeah. You know, we we just don't know when they're going to win, but if they have form at places that might condi- similar conditions may prevail. What the hell, mate? It doesn't. You know, you you start getting worried if you think, oh, this is really suiting him, and I'm going to be on at 25s. Hmm. You know, you're watching all the time. But if you've got a group of players that are, I mean, I'm looking at 251, 275, might even join you at Herman if I can get, you know, massive price on the exchange. Hmm. I'm not worried. You know, we know they're all going to play. And if the harder it gets, we know that they are actually going to come up the leaderboard. I mean, it might be from 65th to 50th, but it's irrelevant. <laughs> We're not panicking. Um, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. He's nice had one. more chance to practice with his mate Donald Trump recently as well, I'd have thought. So that's always a bonus. Yes. He's probably been able to uh, get some pointers off of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what the hell? It's not, not a political podcast, so we won't go into that. But uh, yeah, who knows, mate? I Do think your top that, 20 doubles. That's what I say on these on these ones. That's what it is, isn't it? I think it's, yeah. I think it's a perfect event for that. I'm, you know, a chance to put Rit Hammer and Jim Herman in the same week. Oh, then. never happen again, will it? What a week, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah. With that, we'll summarise our picks. Um, I'll go first, so I can let you shuffle your paper and do what you do. Um, so I've gone with Nicholas Lemke as a short, shortish price uh, in the Kenya Open. Don't feel you know great about it, but I think it's just really hard to avoid the form. A bit like Kitty Arm last week. I don't want to just be put off just purely on price. Andre Liza or Eliza, uh, I think it's probably Liza, Czech Republican. Uh, he's won his last two events on the Challenge Tour. Uh, and fourth before that and I think you know we've got in, we're gonna get a chance to see what it is that he can do um you like Lars van Myhill and I agree with you on there and it's Bernd Ridhammer and Gonzalo Fernandez Castagna at 200 to one apiece uh, to round off my card there yeah um uh, um Eliza I hope he doesn't do little um <laughs> thank you um JB Hansen my one from the top I think he's absolutely rock solid um at 50 to one uh, we then go to uh, Dale Whitnell, who I think has form that correlates, and I think the course will suit 110. Uh, Lars Van Myhill, or Mehill, who I've got the feeling may do something at some point at 175. And uh, Reece Enoch at 200. 
So, you know, eight way in top 20s or something like that. Yeah. And then, do you want me to do Honda? There you go. Yeah, Honda, uh, Richie Wierenski at 80 stroke 90. Keith Mitchell returning to a place he loves at 100. Uh, uh, Kang at, two, I can't remember his first name now. Kang at <laughs> 200. Yeah, yeah, at 250. Um, Troy Merritt at 275. And you know what? 10 pence each way on the mighty Jim Herman. I'll join. And, and top top 20 across the card doubles as well. Yeah. I think it's definitely a week to, uh, to do something like that. Uh, I'm starting my card with Keegan Bradley, which frightens me and is probably not a sentence I'll say again for the remainder of the year, unless he wins here and kicks on again. Uh, but he's in there at 50-1. to 1. Uh, There's a handful of players there, like Kaima, Lutlius, Alex Noren, those sort of prices that could all appeal. But I'm going to go to Patton Kaziah at 80-1 to 1 as my next pick there. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's all the way down to, to Jim Herman at 400-1. to 1 bit of interest in maybe Wesley Bryan if he gets out to a price on the exchange but for me it's all about trying to chase that uh, fourth win for Jim Herman in uh, in as many years so uh, we shall see it'd be, it'd be some uh, some going if he keeps keeps winning while Tony Finau doesn't yeah absolutely it's a cruel I mean, world isn't it do you know what do you know what it, like you say it makes no it makes no surprise if Sung Jae beats Daniel Berger and Larry and Hendy are up there but um, it's just got you know, it's just got that feeling, isn't it, this weekend? Henley's actually been a player I've been waiting to be in the field for, for weeks and mm. and he's finally in it and I've decided not to bet him. But, you know, it is what it is. I'd rather take a chance on some of these long shots and uh, and just enjoy the week. I think it's a, I think it's going to be an exciting couple of Sundays again like it has been for, for many weeks now. I think we've got an exciting uh, build-up to the Masters and I'll just put my feet up and watch uh, 500-1 shots try and navigate the water on Sunday. Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? That's it. All right, mate. Well, thank you as ever. Um, we'll uh, wish you best of luck. Hey, good we'll, uh, look week. forward to... Well, I don't know what we're doing about the scheduling for the Tuesday event. We need to have a chat about that. Uh, in the we just events. repeat our, our Kenya thoughts, but change We the could prices. do. We could just we could just put it on tape, couldn't we? Um, and hopefully the prices aren't you know wildly different. Well, hopefully they are, actually. It means we've got it right. But uh, we shall see. Mm-hmm.